This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to another episode of the Out of the Blue podcast. Uh, my name is John Fleedham. Uh, I'm a physician and clinical scientist in the Division of Respiratory Medicine at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada, where I'm a professor of medicine. Today I'm joined by Dr. Doug McAvoy, who's the senior author of today's article for discussion, Effect of Obstructive Sleep Apnea Treatment on Renal Function in Patients with Cardiovascular Disease. Dr. McAvoy is head of the Sleep Health Service in the South Adelaide uh, Local Health Network and director of the Adelaide Institute for Sleep Health uh, at Flinders University. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. McAvoy. Now, before we discuss your paper, um, I, I would like to ask you some, uh, some questions to help set its context. Can you summarize the clinical studies uh, which have indicated an association between obstructive sleep apnea and chronic kidney disease? Yes, John. Um, first of all, uh, the very early studies um, in people with end-stage uh, renal disease demonstrate a high prevalence, or a seemingly high prevalence of sleep apnea amongst those patients. And then as people start to look further um, in people with uh, chronic kidney disease, those same asso associations, a high prevalence of sleep apnea, obstructive apnea, was seen in those uh, groups as well. Um, and to some extent, uh, looking at patients just with presenting to sleep apnea clinics, also there appeared to be a higher prevalence uh, amongst them of, uh, of kidney disease. So there seemed to be um, an association at that level. Um, and then people started to delve a little deeper and have a look at what the specific associations related to sleep apnea might be in terms of their impact on uh, renal function. So there have been a number of experimental studies in humans um, and a number of other uh, deeper observational studies looking at um, what components of sleep apnea might be impacting on, um, on, um, on kidney function. And so what these have uh, shown, and I should draw your listeners to uh, a very good article that summarises all of this by Pat Handley, one of the authors of our paper, in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine in 2015 if they want to read in any more depth. But essentially what um, has been shown is that uh, it appears that hypoxemia in sleep apnea uh, is associated with uh, glomerular uh, hyperfiltration um, in the kidney. This is in people with normal or near normal um, kidney function and an upregulation of the renin-angiotensin system so these are physiologic effects um, that appear to be present in sleep apnea patients. And these factors seem to be, uh, in observational studies, more uh, associated with uh, the hypoxemia component of sleep apnea than, for example, the arousal index or sleep disturbance. And furthermore, there's been some uh, observational studies that this hyperfiltration and upregulation of the renin-angiotensin system appears to be downregulated by the acute administration of CPAP. And again, this is in patients with preserved renal function. 
And the magnitude of the decrease in the renin-angiotensin system uh, as a consequence of the CPAP treatment of sleep apnea appeared to be similar in magnitude to that when you were using uh, pharmacologic treatments uh, such as uh, angiotensin receptor antagonists or, uh, angio, um, or ACE inhibitors. So that's really the background um, to why we did the study. Now, what are the proposed pathogenesis of impaired kidney disease in patients with obstructive sleep apnea? Well, the, the same culprits that we think about, I guess, in um, uh, when we consider cardiovascular disease with the potential for sleep apnea to uh, cause cardiovascular disease, the increase in blood pressure, particularly the nocturnal surges in blood pressure, and generally a, a slightly elevated blood pressure that's been found uh, in sleep apnea patients, which is uh, reduced by CPAP therapy. Um, oxidative stress due to deoxygenation, reoxygenation that occurs in particularly those who are hypoxemic. And of course, um, there is a higher prevalence of other disorders such as hypertension and diabetes amongst uh, patients with sleep apnea, uh, which have themselves been associated with chronic kidney disease. And these are obviously confounders when you're considering um, association studies. Um, but the major um, cause, as I mentioned, seems to be that, um, or at least putative cause is this upregulation of the renin-angiotensin system. What are the potential benefits of CPAP therapy on renal function in patients with obstructive sleep apnea? Well, CPAP, um, if adequately uh, used um, in patients, of course, will reduce the nocturnal hypoxemia, uh, which, as I've mentioned, is perhaps the main contender for uh, possible renal impairment uh, in people with sleep apnea, and it also um, attenuates, if not eliminates, the nocturnal blood pressure surges and downregulates the sympathetic nervous system. And it can lower, it has been shown to lower 24-hour blood pressure as well uh, to a modest degree. So this paper is a sub-study of the previously reported sleep apnea cardiovascular endpoint study, otherwise known as SAVE. Can you summarize this trial and its findings? Yes, well, with this particular sub-study, um, we in, in this one, we enrolled 200 patients who had uh, consented to be in a sub-study in which we were drawing blood at baseline. Um, and these were such patients that consented to this sub-study uh, from Australia and New Zealand. There were 200 patients in total, and they were randomly allocated to CPAP therapy versus usual care for their cardiovascular disease. Um, and um, just to give you a snapshot of the uh, characteristics of the patients that we studied, 85% of them had coronary artery disease. The other 15% were enrolled on the basis of cerebrovascular disease. 90% uh, were men, um, and their average age was 65. Um, they were obese with a body mass index, uh, average body mass index of 31. And because they had established um, coronary artery or cerebrovascular disease at the outset, um, there was quite a high uh, prevalence of hypertension. And in fact, 90% of the patients in our study were treated um, for blood pressure, uh, and 70% of them, um, incidentally, were on ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers. 25% of them, a quarter of them, were diabetic, and the median oxygen desaturation index was 20 events an hour. Um, it's a 4% oxygen desaturation index. And uh, just to give you some idea of the severity of, this, of the hypoxemia, 
9% of their recording time was at a saturation less than 90%. So they had moderate to severe sleep apnea. Um, we did exclude patients in the SAVE study who had very severe nocturnal hypoxemia, who spent more than 10% uh, of the night um, below 80%. Um, but um, most were, I guess, what you'd see in, in, your, in your sleep clinics and certainly when screening for sleep apnea in cardiovascular clinics. Um, just to give you a bit of an idea of their actual renal function at baseline, um, these were patients who in the main had uh, normal kidney function or borderline abnormal kidney function. So about almost 50% had normal kidney function by um, glomerular filtration uh, rate um, normative data. About 40% had borderline stage 2 renal impairment and only 12% had stage 3 uh, renal impairment or kidney disease. So this was patient with these patients, despite their cardiovascular disease and the risk factors I've mentioned, hypertension and diabetes, had pretty well preserved renal function. And we followed them up for a mean of 4.4 years, and their average adherence to CPAP, those who were allocated to that treatment, was 4 uh, hours per night. We collected blood at baseline and stored it at minus 80 degrees and we collected blood at the end of the study and also a urine sample at the end of the study. So we were able to measure the serum creatinine and calculate um, the estimated glomerular filtration rate at beginning and end of study and from that we calculated the rate of decline, the annual rate of decline of uh, EGFR uh, for each, each subject. Um, and at the end of the study, we measured in the urine the albumin creatinine ratio, and we used these two indices, that is the EGFR and the albumin creatinine ratio, to characterise the patients at the end of study uh, in terms of their chronic kidney disease risk. So that was it in a nutshell. And what were your primary findings? What we found was that the annual rate of decline in the EGFR was not different between the two groups. Um, now, the rate of decline in the patient population was, in fact, about two to three times higher than is previously reported in normal, healthy people of the same age. So there was a decline happening over time uh, as these people got older, um, but um, we could not find a difference. So the average rate of decline in the CPAP-treated group was 1.64 uh, mils. Um, Per year, mils per meter, uh, 1.73 meters squared per year. That's the standard way of measuring this. And the uh, in the usual care group, that is the non-CPAP group, it was 2.3 mils per year. So um, we could not find a statistical difference between these two groups. Um, and the um, stage, the same, um, and we had a look then in in greater detail at various subgroups uh, to see whether we could find um, evidence of benefit from CPAP treatment. For example, we looked at patients who had uh, stage two or stage three uh, kidney disease by the baseline EGFR, that is people who might have had some impairment at baseline, and we could find no uh, effective CPAP therapy on that group. Um, we also had um, a look at um, the impact of the level of CPAP adherence. Um, 
So those who used um, CPAP a lot during the night versus those who didn't use it very well, um, and we could find no dose-related effect uh, on the EGFR decline with age. Um, now, at the end of the study, um, as I mentioned, we measured the albumin-creatinine ratio, and we could find no difference between the two groups. And we looked at serious adverse events, particularly focusing on uh, events, renal uh, adverse events, and we could find they were very few in number, but we could find no difference there between the two groups either. Um, so in essence, um, we've not been able to find um, evidence in this group of patients with um, slightly increased rate of decline of EGFR over time, no impact of CPAP therapy on, um, on, on renal function, or at least the decline of renal function over time. Um, the, um, we did go on to do a regression analysis um, looking at to find which factors in this patient population that were associated with um, a rate of increased rate of decline in EGFR and also their chronic kidney disease category at the end of the study. And we identified the typical um, culprits in that, um, namely uh, hypertension was a factor, um, diabetes was a factor. And we did find that the percentage time uh, of uh, oxygen saturation below a level of 85% during the nighttime study was also uh, predictive um, of, um, of the rate of um, kidney impairment at the end of the study. Now, patients with obstructive sleep apnea and diabetes are more prone to develop diabetic retinopathy. Do you know if patients with obstructive sleep apnea and diabetes are more prone to develop diabetic nephropathy? And did you have sufficient patients with diabetes in your study to examine this subset of patients? There are some studies um, that have looked at um, the interrelation between sleep apnea and diabetes, or at least one study I'm aware of, um, looking at the inter interaction between diabetes and uh, sleep apnea and kidney function. And this study, which was reported by Zhang and colleagues um, in 2016, reported um, that the, the time, um, the desaturation time below 90% was independently associated with diabetic neuropathy after adjusting for a number of other factors. So, you know, they seem to think that um, there was an interactive effect there. But again, this was an observational, actually it was a cross-sectional study in about uh, 900 um, diabetics. Um, so that's the only study that I'm aware of that specifically addressed that issue. Um, there may be others, um, um, but um, one that I'm aware of at least. Um, in terms of did we have enough um, diabetic patients to demonstrate a specific effect in that subgroup of patients, I think the answer to that would have to be no. I mean, this was a study of 200 people, you know, 25% of whom are diabetic, so we're dealing with very few patients with uh, overlapping diabetes and sleep apnea. Uh, we didn't specifically address that because we felt the numbers were too small to um, make any meaningful comparisons. So you probably agreed that um, your study was probably underpowered for a definitive negative study. What would be the most important features of any future clinical trial uh, to examine the impact of CPAP on renal function in patients with obstructive sleep apnea? 
Look, I think there are two things perhaps to bear in mind for future studies. Um, the um, first would be, I guess, you know, given that the uh, the observational data and our data to some extent um, implicates hy nocturnal hypoxemia as a pathogenic mechanism. Certainly the experimental work in in animals in terms of um, hypoxemia and renal impairment suggests that hypoxemia is a, ma is a major cause at the tissue level of, um, of renal damage. Um, then I think that selecting patients with sleep apnea, perhaps with severe sleep apnea and with moderate to severe hypoxemia would be a good target population to look at. And I guess in terms of the clinical relevance of future studies, it would be uh, helpful to um, identify patients who have existing renal impairment in whom the clinical uh, relevance of finding a benefit from treating sleep apnea would be greater. I mean, to show that you might impact on age-related decline in EGFR um, is not as helpful as if you were to study a more clinically relevant population with um, established renal uh, disease. So many thanks for doing this podcast, Doug. Um, to the listener, to read the article discussed in this podcast, please visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, you can also subscribe uh, to stay updated whenever new episodes are available. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great day.